0: Perfect. That's awesome. Thank you, Finley. What a wonderful uh, reading of God's word uh, for us together. Uh, I, I thought, you know, if we're going to preach on art and beauty, uh, we need our, our resident artist to really be the one to do the, the scripture passage. Uh, now, we're talking about art and beauty, and just kind of a funny story. Whenever Monica and I are on vacation, it seems like we run into a contemporary like art museum. I don't know if you've been to contemporary art museums, but I tend to I always like drive by them and, and on the outside I'm like, man, I really want to go see that. Monica, let's go see that contemporary art museum. And inevitably, every time we go, I'm like walking through the <laughs> through the museum and I'm like I hate this. This is I, I don't understand this. Uh, this is not something that resonates with me. Uh, And so uh, today I'm preaching on art and beauty, right? Because I am clearly qualified. I have an artist's eye for appreciating things that are beautiful. I don't really, but I do think I've uh, learned something through this process of studying. Uh, We just did our, I just uh, went to our Akinge Fellows retreat and we talked about uh, the arts and media. And so uh, I'm just kind of sharing some of the things that I learned uh, from that retreat, plus some of the things coming out of it and studying it a bit more on my own. I hope you'll be encouraged, uh, and I'm excited. This is going to be a little bit different, and, you know, I think my my original, like, vision of it was to do it in the church where I could put, like, the pictures on the screen, uh, but the Lord has provided. John's going to be uh, putting, like, pieces of art on your screen, and, and uh, my sermon is also going to be published. I think it's published at 1040 on the website, so you can also look up the slides there and the pictures there uh, if you want to see them a little bit more closely on your ipod ipad or iphone or whatever you have before we get started with the sermon let me go ahead and pray Heavenly father thank you for today thank you for just this opportunity to gather together uh with other uh believers in christ jesus and any guests that we have out there lord we're so grateful for everyone that's tuning in and i just pray that uh, you would unite us uh, through your word, that you would teach us something about art and beauty, and that you would lift us up in this time of, uh, of, of fear and anxiety in our culture, that we would have hope and joy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was sitting in, uh, in a class in seminary. So this is, you know, several years ago, 2012, 11, right, right around there. And I was sitting in one of my classes, and one of my classmates uh, raised his hand. And I did not know this student very well. Uh, He was a hipster, he wore a beanie to class, he was much cooler than I am, probably played the I think he played the guitar because I saw him later playing the guitar. Uh, He was an artist and he asked this question, he raised his hand and he asked uh, to the teacher, he said, is ugliness a result of the fall? Is ugliness a result of the fall? And my response to that question was I rolled my eyes and I was like, this is the stupidest question I've ever heard. That's really what I thought. And I like told other people, like, that is like I, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I must have been at a weird place in seminary. Seminary does something to you. Because now, as I think about that question, time changes your perspective. And I think, wow, that was actually a really good question. That was a really deep question, really interesting question. This ugliness, the way we see things result of that first sin that Adam and Eve committed against God. When they introduced sin into our world and into creation, sin distorts, sin corrupts. And does that mean that like the way we see things is corrupted and distorted? And so we see things that God originally intended as beautiful, maybe like a a mosquito (laughs) or a a fly. Did God originally intend these as beautiful? And now we see them as ugly because of the fall? Well, today I'm sort of answering that question. Uh, this is really like an artistic sermon, so you know I don't know if I have to answer the question, uh, but I'm gonna help us work around the question. And the reason I wanna talk about art and beauty is not only because I wanna pass along what I learned at the Gay Fellows Program, but I also wanna give us a break. I wanna give us a break from COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Uh, you know, we've had a couple messages of helping us frame how to think about that and to be encouraged in that moment. And I hope that this sermon will also encourage us uh, in what we're going through and what we're going through. See, art and beauty, I believe, can calm our fears and lift our spirits. Art and beauty can calm our fears and lift our spirits. In the book of Philippians, which Finley just read so well, uh, the the Apostle Paul, some of the early church leaders, he is talking about anxiety and he says, do not be anxious about anything in verse four, uh, verse six, he, he's, he's telling the believers how to deal with some of the anxiety they're going through a lot, how to deal with their fears. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. And then if you skip down to verse eight, he says, well, you have to reframe what you're focusing on, reframe what you're thinking about, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is lovely, art, beauty, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the Greek, think about such things is just one word and it's an imperative, it's a command. Think about such things. Think about beauty. Think about art. Think uh, uh, Intentionally cultivate a habit of the mind to think about things that are good and pleasing to God. Set your mind on things that are pure and true and noble and lovely. I can't that include art and beauty. David Hockney, he's a British artist, and I've asked John to put up a picture of him. He paints, draws, he takes pictures, he creates stage design, and he is famous for his pop art. And in 2018, he designed a stained glass window at Westminster Abbey for the Queen. Now, if you're looking at this stained glass window, you're probably thinking, this looks nothing like other stained glass windows that I have seen. It's a picture of a countryside and a country path. Uh, But it's still beautiful. It's his unique style. And he actually, he's so famous, he once turned down a chance to paint the queen. She invited him to paint him and he was just too busy. Uh, He's stuck at home like the rest of us, Uh, He has people helping him out, uh, but he's been releasing some of his original paintings to just encourage other people. He released one of daffodils, these beautiful flowers, called Do Remember They Can't Cancel the Spring. I really like that. Do Remember They Can't Cancel the Spring. It's a very simple painting, but it's beautiful. It brings life. It's of these, these flowers. It's colorful and it's quite detailed. He actually drew this on his iPad. It's quite amazing what you can produce uh, with the different tools that you're given. And so, if you're an artist, if you love art, uh, if you love uh, art and music, and like if you're a creator, art, music, reading, writing, whatever, poetry, uh, I want to encourage you to share what you love with others as we are going through this COVID 19. Uh, and so uh, share pictures on your Facebook timeline or on our Facebook group. And even if you're not, you don't consider yourself to be an artist, maybe you have like a work of art in your home that you wanna share with others. You can take a picture of it and just share it in our Facebook group and maybe tell us a little bit about it. I know that we have at least one resident artist. We have many resident artists, uh, uh, Finley. Uh, and so I look forward to seeing more of your work. This, is, this should also cause us to pause and think, right, think about such things. Do not be anxious, think about things that are good and lovely, and so if you are uh, feeling anxious, and you are feeling fearful, uh, and you're, you're continuing to watch the news, and you're listening to all the radio updates, the podcasts, you're reading through articles, and every day you're logging into that, that counter of everyone that's uh, struggling with the coronavirus, uh, are you focusing on something that's good and noble? You might be focusing on something that is true, Uh, for sure Uh, but maybe change what you're focusing on to lift your spirits at least for a while Uh, I mean uh, even I've been talking with friends like what are you watching on Netflix like what uh, it's kind of going around what are you binge watching these days well are you focusing on something that can lift your spirits in this time or that actually makes this time more difficult because it's dark and depressing art and beauty can calm our fears and lift our spirits the things we see shape how we feel and how we think and so why is that why why do art and beauty move us in ways that like medicine can't move us it can move something deeper internally i think it's because we're tapping into something that is transcendent that word means something that is divine not that art and are divine but art and beauty reflect someone who is divine they reflect god see god Just like we started from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 17, God is the one who is goodness and beauty. And so when we see goodness and beauty in our world, we are seeing a dim reflection of our Creator, of the one who made us. All beauty and goodness reflect His beauty and goodness. And this leads me to my next point that God is the master artist. God is the master artist. Uh, The Gospel Coalition had a really uh, helpful article on the theology of art that I read this week and been taking some of my points from that little article. But that article sent me back to the, the uh, the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is such a foundation for the rest of the Bible. Genesis 1, 1 through 2 say this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So God is hovering over this these chaotic waters, but it's like he's hovering over this massive, watery canvas. And, and all of time and eternity and, and space, uh, he is calling into being. He is stretching out this beautiful canvas, the universe. He is making it, and then he is... He is like, it's like this picture of him like flying through the universe, painting time and space and the universe and stars and galaxies and the heavens and the earth. And he's like soaring like this bird across the universe, splashing galaxies and star clusters like paint. It's absolutely beautiful. I wanna show you some real pictures of things that our God, our creator, the master artist painted. The first one is that God paints this thing called the tarantula nebula a giant mass of ionized hydrogen gas. This, 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 uh, this giant mass of stars and gas, it spits out stars. It spits out stars. It produces stars like our sun. How beautiful is that? you just give me a little thumbs up, Joe, that it's there? Okay, great. God paints this thing called the Eagle's Nebula, pillars of creation. Man, it is beautiful. It is made of gas clouds and dark cosmic dust. I don't know how many uh, millions of years it would take you traveling at the speed of light to cross this thing, but it is huge. And look how we can see it. It looks like this giant hand reaching up into the universe like God's hand. And yet we know that God's hand created this tiny little hand in comparison to who he is, our creator. How about God paints this galaxy called the Sombrero Galaxy? Uh, this is Messier 104. Now, all these pictures are coming from NASA, so these are real pictures. And it has just brilliant white. And notice how it's like it's at the perfect angle so that we can admire its beauty. It's like God said, I'm going to create this beautiful galaxy that's huge, and I'm going to put it just right so that you can see it, so that you can enjoy the Sombrero Galaxy, Messier 104. How about God paints the planet Saturn (laughs) much closer to us. It's only 800 million miles away from us, so just a short distance from Earth. It has these beautiful rings, and it just sits in this sea of blackness orbiting around the sun. How beautiful is that? And then God places us on planet Earth, and he paints all around us the Milky Way galaxy. It's like God put us in the Milky Way so that we can enjoy the Milky Way, so that we can enjoy all these other planets and solar systems and galaxies. So that we can enjoy the night sky, his watery canvas, everything that he created. See, God is the master artist, and he has been creating since the beginning. And this tells us something about the very worth of creation and nature, but also about the things that we create as we reflect Him and His character. See, art and beauty have inherent worth. Art and beauty have inherent worth. See, Genesis 1 tells the story of God creating everything, the universe, the world, and everything in it. And as we go through the creation story, and I encourage you to take time later today to read it or sometime this week, God creates something. creates like the land or the stars or the the sun and the moon and it says that god saw that it was very good god saw that it was very good the hebrew word for word for good tov you know it can mean like oh that's like morally good (laughs) that's that's like morally upright but wouldn't that be an awfully strange thing to say about like the moon (laughs) or the stars or the earth oh that's morally good No, I think tov, uh, it can mean goodness or beauty. It's like this aesthetic term. God is saying, the universe, what I have created is beautiful. I made it. And when God creates the land and vegetation says, God saw that it was good. It's, It's gorgeous. It's a work of art. And so this tells us that there is something inherently valuable about beauty, about art, about creation. In other words, uh, if you create this masterpiece, let's say you're out in the woods and you create this masterpiece. You carve like this tree uh, into like this beautiful uh, kind of wood sculpture, uh, whatever, uh, whatever that is. I mean, there's bears and some fish. It's like this, this kind of this, all these wood animals carved into this tree. And then you walk away and no one sees that tree for the rest of eternity. But God, that's enough. That has inherent value in it. See, if you read through Genesis 1, uh, humankind doesn't arrive in creation until verse 26. That means in the first 25 verses of Genesis 1, it says that God saw that it was good six times. Six times. And that's before Adam and Eve and us arrive. And that means what this, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I don't mean like uh, little bee beholder, I mean big bee beholder. God is himself he's the beholder of all things and it's when he judges it as good that we find its value in it god sees something god saw and said that's good and as as children of god like when god looks at us and says that's good that's what it gives us inherent value and this means that if we create a work of art painting a short story a novel a song poetry an original piece of music, a sculpture, uh, a piece of dance, uh, poetry. Maybe you're like dancing in your bedroom or dancing in the bathroom or you're out in the woods and you're dancing and no one sees that dance, but God, that is enough. That is beautiful. And see, in our world, we typically define like how much something is worth by what? By money, right? How much will someone pay for this thing or pay to see it or pay to listen to it and we break everything down into like this monetary utilitarian way of valuing things how many dollars can i get for this piece of art and that makes art and beauty like a product but the bible tells us that god values creation and beauty in and of itself As Christians, I think we can fall prey to the same way of thinking, but just in a little bit of a different way, kind of a utilitarian way that I think uh, we need to kind of reassess. Uh, Sometimes it's like uh, we as a kind of a Christian culture uh, say that something is only good if it's Christian. And so we take music and we baptize it and we say, well, I don't listen to most music, but I listen to, to just Christian music because Christian music is good music. Like we have to take music and baptize it to make it good. Now, uh, I'm not saying this of anyone in our church, but I think we need to challenge ourselves and say, if we if we see or hear a piece of music or art and it is good, then we just need to recognize it for what it is, that there is inherent worth and value in it, whether or not it is purposely uh, communicating a Christian message. There is goodness in art in and of itself apart from uh, the message. And we actually see this in Scripture, like, God God created a whole bunch of things. He created stars, land, vegetation. He created everything in the universe that could not audibly speak. There were not words written on trees saying, you know, believe in God. They were just trees. And they spoke of God's glory and his goodness in their nature. And they were worthwhile. And they were beautiful. And we know that from, from Psalm 19 and Romans 120 that the creation does speak of God, but not in a way that's, clear not in a way that offers salvation just in a way that says there is a god there is a creator and so art and beauty then must have inherent worth. they are valuable in and of themselves so you may have noticed uh in my home this beautiful painting here i want to take a moment and highlight it uh hanging on my wall it's from a russian artist Uh, he's a self-taught artist named alexander volkov uh and he paints like colorful beautiful realistic landscapes uh like trees or, or countryside or or it can even be like a little town um and this one's called the first snowfall the first snowfall it just shows like the changing of the seasons from uh the fall right where you have kind of the golden trees of fall and then the snow comes early like it might happen in late october or early november I just think it's this beautiful painting uh, that we picked up that uh, it it has like no Bible verses in it. It's not, uh, it's not religious by any means, but I do think it's Christian. I think it's Christian because it, it's, it's, it's talking about the glories and beauties of what God has made. And to me, it like tells this story of like, what's down that bend, where is it leading? it almost to me is leading to like that new heaven and that new earth eternity with Christ Jesus. And it's just a reminder of like the seasons do change and we wanna walk with God through them. And I just, I love it. I enjoy it. Now maybe you look at this painting, and you think, ah, it doesn't speak to me. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Art and beauty uh, tend to be subjective. And that's why we need to to find who is art and beauty ultimately kind of defined by, and that's God himself. Maybe you have something in your home, right? You have a painting or a sculpture or a piece of art that you really love and you really enjoy. I'd, I'd say share it with others. Let's share it with each other uh, and let's appreciate it for what it is. You know, I have several original uh, Elijah John Romick uh, paintings in my office that are incredibly beautiful to me. Uh, and I think they are wonderful uh, and I wouldn't sell them for anything because they have inherent worth. They're created by my, my, my child and I love him. And I remember, through Christ Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, you also are a child of God. And when God sees the things that you create, he's just like, wow, my child created this. Look at how beautiful and wonderful it is. That's not for sale, I'm keeping that. In the opening of his book, Culture Care, Reconnecting with Beauty for Our Common Life, Makoto Fujimura uh, tells a story of valuing art and beauty. As a newlywed couple, my wife and I began our journey with very little. After Judy and I got married in the summer of 1983, after college, we moved to Connecticut for Judy to pursue her master's degree in marriage counseling. I taught at a special education school and painted at home. We had a tight budget and often had to ration our food, lots of tuna cans, just to get through the week. One evening, I was sitting alone waiting for Judy to come home to our small apartment, worried about how we were going to afford the rent and pay for necessities over the weekend. Our refrigerator was empty and I had no cash left. Then Judy walked in and she had bought she had brought home a bouquet of flowers. I was really upset. How could you think of buying flowers if we can't even eat? I remember saying, frustrated. Judy's reply has been etched in my heart for over 30 years now. We need to feed our souls too, she said. We need to feed our souls too. Christianity is not a utilitarian religion. It is a, a, a beautiful walk with God through life. Art and beauty have inherent worth. Now does this mean that all art is inherently beautiful or all art is inherently good? I don't think so, uh, but it does change the way we see art and the way we see things. Uh, we want to walk through life as we encounter things that are beautiful and, and things that are artistic and challenge us. We want to see art and beauty through God's eyes, not just through our own eyes. That's my next point, that we need to see art and beauty through God's eyes. Genesis 1 doesn't just say God created and it was good. That God created and God saw that it was good. In a Redemptive Theology of Art by David Covington, he explains that God is the first beholder, right? That big be beholder. And that means when we judge art, we should not just judge it by our preferences. Oh, I like that, I don't like that. Uh, but we might uh, begin to think about how can we see art and even all of life through God's eyes instead of my own? Now, typically when we're thinking about art in the media, we ask this question, WWJW. So kind of like WWJD, what would Jesus do? But this is WWJW, what would Jesus watch? What would Jesus watch? I bet we might be surprised, actually, if we were to watch what Jesus watches. He watches everything on his throne up in heaven. But remember, he is someone who ate and drank with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. He, he spent time with those social outcasts. And so I don't think uh, what would Jesus watch is particularly a helpful question. Instead, I think we should say, how does God see this? How does God see this? To help us see what God sees, Coventing suggests we stop asking if something is Christian and start asking these questions. So these are his questions. What of God's glory remains in this? What of God's glory remains in this? What in this does God affirm? What can I affirm with God? What does God challenge? What does he call me to challenge in myself, by repentance, or in another person or in the culture broadly? How can I love God and my neighbor right here as I take in this work of art? What message does it intend as truth? What is it trying to say that is true? What power does it practice or honor? What ethics are in view here? What must be true about God for this message to work? What does this work borrow from God's glory? How can a redeemed eye See this redemptively. What does God intend here? Another framework that Covington uh, suggests is looking through the big lens of the Bible, like the big story of the Bible. Now, this is just such a like uh, compact way of viewing the big story of the Bible. But you can kind of summarize it in four steps. There's creation, uh, there's the fall, there's redemption, and then there's restoration. So creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Right? Genesis uh creation god created everything good in the fall adam and eve came along and and broke it and all of humanity and it kind of skips a large part of the bible so i'm sure uh maybe uh terry's squirming as he's like what about all the rest of the old testament well uh there's a lot more there but in our our framework in our paradigm we jump to redemption christ jesus and he makes all things new but then that ushers us into that final stage of restoration when when christ jesus returns and, and makes a new heaven and a new earth kind of restores what we have here. Uh, so this is the big story of the Bible, and actually we can look at creation, we can look at art through this lens. And so I have two pieces that I wanna show you. Uh, this is gonna be a little fun, a little art gallery viewing here. And this first fine art piece, um, I think I actually saw this in person when I was in DC, is called Among the Sierra Nevada, California. It's called Among the Sierra Nevada, California. It is by Albert Beardstadt, 1868. And Beardstadt, he actually painted this piece to advertise the great frontier, the Wild West. And so this is really like a marketing piece. It's a a beautiful marketing piece because this scene that is pictured does not exist in real life. This setting does not. But instead, what Albert does is he takes kind of the very best of the Sierra Nevada Mountains of California. And he puts them all together in one painting of this beautiful uh, snow covered peaks that melt down into these flowing rivers and overflow giant waterfalls into a beautiful clear crystal lake. And then you see like the the deer beside the lake feeding and then there's these lush green trees. Uh, And it's just an absolutely gorgeous piece. And as I look at this through the lens of creation, I think, man, maybe this is a little bit of what Eden looked like. Maybe this is where that, uh, what it looked like in the beginning. This stirs my heart to something deeper. This is a gorgeous piece. Uh, I don't think it really captures uh, uh, the fall or redemption as much. But I also think it kind of dovetails back to then to restoration. You know, if, if we lost something like this, maybe God is going to give us something like this. When Christ Jesus returns, and we read that in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, uh, there's this new heaven and this new earth that's created, and all sin, all brokenness is going to be cast out. And my heart wonders, is it going to look a little bit like this painting? Man, this painting, when I look at it through the big lens of what the Bible is saying, the story of creation, it's just beautiful. It sings to my heart. I hope that it sings to your heart, too, and helps you taste a little bit of eternity through Christ Jesus. Now, but this is a this is kind of an easy painting to look at and say, "Wow, this fits the story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration." Now, I want to show you a much more challenging piece. This one might jar you a little bit. I did ask the artist's studio, so I actually emailed them and said, "Can I use this?" And they gave me the go-ahead. And this is called the Hinterland. Uh, it's made in 2006 by British artist Glenn Brown. You're like, where did you get this painting, Jonathan? Actually, we talked about it in my first week of classes in the Doctorate of Ministry program because it's such an interesting and unique piece, and it speaks to, I think, our culture. And so when you look at this painting, you're wondering, like, what is that? Is that a person, is that a blob, is that a fish? Like, what are those things? You see arms and eyes and lips and flowers. What could this possibly be? Uh, You know, is this a Christian piece? I don't think we should even ask like what is this or what is like uh, is this a christian piece maybe instead we need to ask how does god see this how does this tell us something about his big story so this is not a religious piece but i still think it tells that story of creation fall redemption and restoration and it really powerfully uh grasps the middle to fall and redemption see if you look closely at the painting you'll see that it's very floral there are greens and browns and yellows and blues and reds. These are all colors we find in creation. There are also flowers and other plants, but they're all congealed, right? They're all there, but they're all kind of meshed in together. This could be like a whole bunch of bushes, and a whole bunch of trees and and, and flowers and forests and lakes and rivers just compressed into one painful, hurting form. So in this painting, we see the beauty of Eden, we see the beauty of creation, but also the tragedy of the fall. We find goodness, but things are not as they are meant to be. See, this painting not only helps us understand uh, the fall, but it helps us understand redemption, where we're operating right now. Uh, it helps us understand our own culture, because this is a, what I call a congealed amalgamation of beliefs and ideas. It's like the artist is painting pluralism, right? That everything is good and everything is true, doesn't matter the different beliefs, that everything kind of melds together into one. And when we do that, there's a loss of distinction, right? There's a loss of identity. And so my question for you is, what does this provoke in your heart? Do you see this like recoil? Because that's what I did when I saw it, I was like, what is that? Or does it, or as you think about our culture, does it give you some compassion? Say, so if this is like the soul of my neighbor, is this, this is like the heart, like what's going on in their heart? Like that's really tough. How are they ever gonna navigate that? How are they ever gonna find truth? How are they ever gonna find redemption? Well, they're not because we need to speak truth and, and life and the distinction of Christ Jesus into their lives. Jesus had compassion on us, so we wanna have compassion on them. And so what does this piece tell us then about restoration? Well, if you look at, it does have flowers. There's the possibility of hope near the, the thing's elbow, if you can call it an elbow, there's like this bright white light. and Maybe that means something in the art world, but to me it, it speaks like this possibility of hope in a future that one day God is gonna come and make all things new, that he's gonna sort out our mess and sort out our need and recreate us into something gorgeous and new and that he is in the process of making us into a new creation. And maybe that painting is exactly like how you and I look spiritually right now but God is gonna come and he is gonna sort us out and make us into that final piece. We do not believe this is the final state of what we will look like. And so we wanna retrain our eyes, right? We wanna retrain our eyes and our minds to see how God sees things. And as we look at art and and pieces of beauty uh, and we begin to think differently about them, that could have an effect of helping us see through the, the, see, see God's scripture differently, see the beauty that's in God's word, uh, it can help us to see the beauty that's in our life, that's in our, our world all around us. As, as we're going through times of hardship with our family members or friends or during the coronavirus, maybe if we cultivate a practice of looking at art and beauty differently, we will be able to see life differently. We'll be able to see all, all things as, as having like this, this goodness in them, telling that greater story of creation, redemption, fall and restoration. So whether that second piece spoke to your sensibilities or not, you know, it trains us. We got to look harder to try and see what God sees, to try and see through God's eyes. And why did we do this? Because God created us to be his beautiful masterpiece. See, after God makes man and woman in his own image, it says this, Genesis one thirty one: God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. God saw all that he was made and it was very good. So it was good before, God saw that it was good, all of creation, and then Adam and Eve come along and God says, it was very good. And if you read in Genesis one, it says that man and woman, uh, people were made in the image of God. That means there is something unique and special about us because we not only are God's creation, but we also reflect the creator in a special way. And we see this continuing to be through the story of the Bible that God says, these are my people. These are my set apart works of art that I'm going to shape and craft into the people of eternal value and eternal worth. Now in in the book of Exodus, uh, there's this setting aside of the tabernacle and Moses is leading the people and and he's kind of relaying God's message on how to build the tabernacle. And we see it as just like this beautiful place. The tabernacle is where God's glory, God's presence is going to reside with the people of Israel, where God's glory is going to dwell. And we see that it's not meant to be like this plain, ordinary place. It's meant to be gorgeous. It's meant to remind us of that garden in Eden. Exodus 31 verses 2 through 5 say, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all sorts of, all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts." So if you're an artist at heart, if you're a creator, like this is your foundation verse for life, because uh, Bezalel is just this master artisan uh, who is skilled in his trade, and God calls him to help craft the tabernacle this place where God's glory is going to reside, where God's glory is going to dwell. But the tabernacle's gone. And the next thing that came was the temple, and that's this beautiful work of art reflecting Eden. But that's gone too. And so where is God's glory supposed to dwell? Where is the temple? Well, we've been learning in the book of Acts that the temple is us. The temple is the people of God. Those people that repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ Jesus, this is God's temple. See, God's temple is no longer made out of Uh, uh, of leathers or stone, it's made out of human flesh. It's us. That doesn't mean we are God, but we are the place where God dwells, where God resides through his Holy Spirit. And so you and I are the craftsmen now. We are making a place of beauty for God to dwell. I read Francis Schaeffer's art in the Bible uh, as I was preparing for this message. And he says this about our lives, that our lives are to be a work of art. He says, no work of art is more important than the Christian's own life, and every Christian is carried upon to be an artist in this sense. He may have no gift of writing, no gift of composing or singing, but each man has the gift of creativity in terms of the way he lives his life. In this sense, the Christian's life is to be an art work. The Christian's life is to be a thing of truth and also a thing of beauty in the midst of a lost and despairing world. See, so God created us to be his beautiful masterpiece. But if you know anything about humankind, we fall short. Going back to my original question, is is ugliness a result of the fall? I mean, Satan's the author of evil, right? So I don't know if it's a result of the fall or, or mankind like introducing ugliness into creation. I think that's probably the better way of explaining it, that we, we brought ugliness and brokenness into our world. And that's why we need someone, like we can't fix the problem. No matter how good I am or how beautiful of art pieces I make, I'm always going to fall short because I'm working with myself who has fallen and I'm working with creation that is corrupt. It's still good, but it's corrupted. And that means I need someone to step down from like a, a place of perfection, a place of holiness from the Sierra Nevada mountains, California, that beautiful painting. I didn't want to come out of that painting, that place of perfection and come and step into my world, my brokenness and rescue me. And the Bible tells us that that happened, redemption happened through the son of God. God himself stepped, stepped into our canvas, stepped into his great big canvas of the universe. He stepped out into our world and became an artist. The son of God, Jesus, he was a master craftsman, he was an artist, he was a carpenter. See, we need a creator to come and make us new, and the creator has come in Christ Jesus. This is how the scripture defines him, how the scripture describes our savior artist. Colossians 1:15 through 17. The son is the image of the invisible God. So he's a, he's a work of art of, of, of God himself. He's a picture of God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Everything was created through Jesus, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. This is talking about Jesus. He is the master artist. He is the master creator. He created all things, all things came through him. And so Jesus, our master craftsman, came to make us beautiful. Jesus, our master craftsman, came to make us beautiful. See, I I read this this article this week, this story of just like picturing what it would be like for there to be like this massive painting, and uh, it's just beautiful, there's the artist, he's making this painting, and and he's done, and it's beautiful, like this garden scene, and then, and like there's this mold that begins to appear, in the middle of the canvas, and it begins to spread. And the artist, instead of just like painting over it, he actually steps into the canvas. He becomes a person in the canvas to deal with that mold, and deal with that that corruption. And that's the story of Jesus. See, Jesus made the whole universe. He he. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit was soaring through the the galaxies and splashing them down as paint. And here, in the story of the Bible, the Master Artist steps into his creation to make us beautiful. And and the and and, and he doesn't leave. Once he has once he has uh uh, once he has done this work of restoration, he says, "I'm going to stay in the story." Now, right now he's apart from us, and in some sense he has left. But forever, Jesus took on human flesh. The son of God became a man, fully God, fully man. This master artist who has stepped into the canvas to rescue you and me and to restore us from our brokenness to a brand new eternity with him. And so maybe you're hearing this message and you're like, I do want someone from that beautiful painting, in the Sierra Nevada mountains to come and to rescue me, to take me to that high place and we have that through Christ Jesus and so if you've been listening to this and you're like man I have never heard art and beauty and things in our world described this way this is what we have in the Bible this is the story that God gives us and God is wanting to speak to you and say you know my truth has been covered up my truth has been hidden but today is the day of beauty today is the day of like revelation of of hearing this new message that can change my life and if that's you just want to ask you like uh, to contact me, to email me or message me, Jonathan at cornerstonewestford.com and, and talk to me so that I can kind of walk you through okay, what does it mean to repent? Like, what does that look like? What does it mean to like in, invite Christ Jesus into my life? And what does it mean for him to like begin to repaint my life as God originally intended it? To make this this eternal work of art? God wants to take all of us and to make this into this beautiful creation, and he does it through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus and what he offered on the cross. And we're going to be celebrating that next week uh, for Easter, that Jesus died and rose again. And I hope that you'll tune in uh, next week as well. This message is just a reminder that Jesus, our master craftsman, came to make us beautiful. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this master craftsman. Thank you that he is made us new and he makes us new we are so grateful to have him in our lives and that he is renewing us into making us into something beautiful and eternal lord i pray that that all of us would begin to see art and beauty in our lives and uh, and creation and our problems even the coronavirus lord through your eyes god that we could see it differently that we could see the beauty that is there through christ jesus that he makes possible lord give us new eyes and a new heart